The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to another edition of Monday Football Monday here on the SB Nation NFL show. He is Michael Kist. He is Pete Sweeney. I am RJ Ochoa. We are the best show that the SB Nation NFL show offers, but there are a whole bunch of really good ones. So make sure to subscribe, rate, and review to the SB Nation NFL show available on all major podcast platforms. We appreciate everyone for their kind words throughout our virtual digital radio row excursion that we were on last week. Appreciate all the kind words that we got by way of our reviews. Somebody, uh, in fact, it was uh, XADK referred to Pete Sweeney as the Plaid Prince. I had never heard of that particular nickname for our beloved Peter. But um, but Michael Kiss, before we get to Pete, how did you enjoy Super Bowl Sunday with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers winning the world championship in your home state? Oh, I thought I thought it was um, a great event. I'm so happy for Tom Brady. I'm not. I don't. I don't <laughs> care that Tom Brady won another one. I mean, seven Super Bowls is a fantastic accomplishment for him. I'm not trying to take anything away from that. I, I, I thought the the real stars of the whole thing, and we'll get into it. You know, Byron Leftwich, Todd right. Bowles, really kind of stole the show. I know you're going to kick it to Pete in a sec, and and I just want to say I'm going to try my best not to gloat at Pete because I don't want to gloat at the entire Chiefs fan base. I understand. I have been through. Uh, losing Super Bowl as a fan, as an Eagles fan, it sucks. Pete knows what he did. So with that, RJ, go ahead. Well, I'll say this. You've both been um, fans of teams that have lost Super Bowls that have been coached by Andy Reid, which, while it feels painful, don't get me wrong, is much better than not even making it to the Super Bowl, which I can attest to is infinitely more painful as a Dallas Cowboys fan. In fact, I I tweeted this just before we started recording. Tony Romo was on the call, did a great job, and I feel like is, is one indication of Tom Brady's incredible career. When Tony Romo entered the NFL, Tom Brady had already won a Super Bowl. Romo played his entire career, where he didn't even make it to an NFC Championship game himself, retired, began a whole new profession in the world of broadcasting, and has now called two Super Bowls himself, both of which Tom Brady won. Uh, But the latest, of course, Super Bowl 55, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers winning the first team to ever win the Super Bowl on their home field, 31-9, the final score. Pete Sweeney, we've been teasing it long enough. I know you have not slept. We appreciate you joining (laughs) us. Um, You have had... A lot of takes all season long, and um, well, the floor is yours to kind of just uh, vent, cry, discuss, whatever you want to do, my man. Well, the weekend couldn't have gone any worse for the Kansas City Chiefs franchise. We were done with media 
on Thursday, having talked to all the players and coaches and whatnot, thought you were in the clear, thought they were going to head to Saturday without any occurrence or any news breaking. And about as bad as news as you could possibly get comes through uh, on Friday with Andy Reid's son, linebackers coach, assistant linebackers coach for the Chiefs, outside linebackers coach, uh, reports that he was involved in a multi-vehicle accident on Thursday night. This was after he had media availability just days before, uh, as every assistant coach does via Zoom. Covering it for Arrowhead Pride, we go slow. I mean, there's been a lot of stuff off the field in Kansas City where people have gone faster mm. than you're, you probably should have. And you know, there's been messes before. And so we kind of just put up a, a basic outline of the reports of that was going on but it is a three-car accident impressions are right now based upon search warrants and police reports and whatnot that uh, Britt reed was around arrowhead stadium around 9 p.m thursday night son of andy reed three-car accident seemed like he might have been under the influence a lot of clues point to that not a ton of information other than there's a five-year-old girl involved who has brain trauma right now and the last that we heard, she's not woken up. And the GoFundMe in Kansas City is north of uh, $300,000. Um, and what I'll say is, and, and the reason I bring it up, and I, I do want to get to the football, you know, that's why people listen to this podcast. But from jump, Saturday was travel day. But in Kansas City, at least this is how I felt, I really thought that there was a feeling of you kind of felt bad trying to celebrate again mm. think about before the super bowl mm. you we all kind of thought that the chiefs were going to win again right so or, you kind of felt bad jumping into what is super bowl sunday which is like a celebration sure what a victory for the nfl i uh, can't believe that they made it this far they finished on schedule which was remarkable in covid and here you had this dynasty in the making i mean it seemed that way and really some tragedy surrounding it, and we'll see how it plays out. We still don't know how this thing's going to play out. It's ongoing. So the Chiefs end up traveling. Britt Reed went to the hospital after the incident. Reportedly in the hospital, they leave without him. In Kansas City, and I don't know how much the rest of the nation felt this, a little bit of a clout, for sure, I think, even going into this game. So then you get to the game, which is just the football and and here's where I want to start with welcoming the criticism, because look, I I don't want to say that I was duped, but I think I could speak for all of Chiefs fans and anyone who follows this team that when you lose one football game, your starters I'm talking about over 450 days, you think they're the other shoe is never going to drop. This is a thing that you'll Matrick Holmes will always figure it out. And there were two parts of this game where I think it started to sink in that this was not like those other times. Yeah. Mahomes was dancing around in the backfield and doing his Mahomes thing and dialing up Travis Kelsey. And you could see he, he barely gets one of those like running throws off and Kelsey just drops the football. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you knew, I think, at that point, there was no magic, Mahomes magic in this game. There wasn't a, an amount of Mahomes magic that was going to get them back in this football game. And I commented that it, it felt like everything was going against the Chiefs. 
And I had mentioned to you guys at halftime, look, uh, a lot of those penalties in the first half, eight for 95, were penalties. They just were not called the rest of the playoffs. And it felt like the referees were involving themselves in the game. And the Bucks out game plan the Chiefs so badly, mm-hmm. they could never recover from being 21 to 6 down. The punting was atrocious. Yeah, uh, I had mentioned the drops. And then the key to the game for me, and I know how efficient Tom Brady in the offense was, and, and for sure Brian, Byron Leftwich deserves the credit, as Chris was saying, but the key for me was just the complete shift that Todd Bowles made from Week 12 to this game. Mm-hmm. Tyree Kill, wide receiver, said after the game they expected the Bucks to, to play man, like two-man. Uh, they ended up coming out in a lot of two high safety looks. Kist is more the film guy. He can speak to that. Uh, yep. A little bit more in detail. Was a season high for them over 80%. Yeah, go ahead. Completely shifted their plan. The Chiefs had two backup tackles along the offensive line against what we probably should have called, instead of the Saints, the best front of fo- in football because that's right. what it looked like last night. Andy Reid provided no extra help right. for these guys. They were, you know, the stats came out. There were five men, no additional protection for Patrick Mahomes. And I saw another stat right before we got on. Patrick Mahomes ran 497 yards running away. And it wasn't Mahomes' (laughs) scrambles. This was straight up Patrick Mahomes running away. Right. The one silver lining I I think I take away, and then I'll turn it back over because I've talked for about five minutes, (laughs) is Patrick Mahomes, man, he was down 22 points in the fourth quarter, and he is not giving up. The game was over at the end of the third Refuses to lose. I know... (laughs) I know you guys laugh that I say things like that, but just straight up, when you watch Mahomes and you watch him even in the fourth quarter as he's throwing parallel and hitting a guy right in the hands who dropped it, by the way, of course, on fourth and 10 with the season on the line, that gives you the impression to me, and and this is for Chiefs fans, is like, this was a nice reminder that you're not going to win every Super Bowl, right? But you're always going to be in the mix with this guy. The Chiefs are smart enough personnel-wise to get him to the final eight a lot of years it's going to be the final four and this is something that i forgot that i had to remind myself once you're down to the final four a lot of years and this is how i feel every year anything can happen i mean these teams are really really good it comes down to that cliche the game of inches and the chiefs were outplayed they shot themselves in the foot and they were severely severely outcoached and last thing i thought there were three scenarios of this game i thought the chiefs were going to win in a close game I thought the Chiefs were going to blow them out of the water, which I made abundantly clear. <laughs> or I thought the Bucks would would win in a close game. What ma- what makes this hurt and and what's so devastating, I think, for Chiefs fans is I, I don't think anyone in the damn city thought that they would get dominated in the fashion they did. And there are a lot of things to address, uh, but they have the quarterback down. We'll see what happens next year. Pete, I uh, appreciate the insight on the Britt Reed story. I know that you have kept everybody updated at ArrowheadPride.com. I- goes without saying that all of us at SB Nation are certainly uh, providing our well thoughts and, and prayers and wishes for the family of the little girl, the little girl in question. And, and I know you'll keep updating that story. Really, real quick here, too. Like, that's bigger than football, too. Right. And I, yep. That's why it's been so tough, because I look, I want to come on here today and I want you to guys to be like, you're dope. <laughs> why did you talk like that all year? It should only be about the football and how, like, embarrassed the Chiefs were have gotten. But right. that's what's what's hard about it. It's like we're so concerned and, and hoping that this little girl for right 
just pulls it out. I mean, what and Sam Melliger, the Kansas City star locally, just did a fantastic and it's like five years old. What an age. And like if we're feeling like that, I wonder how the team was feeling as they tried to approach this um, football. You know, football is what it is. I, the Bucks had such a good plan, regardless of whatever happened, penalties, this outside right. distraction, whatever they were going to win. I, right. you know, and, and that's something I think we, we should all recognize as well. There's no easy transition. You're right. That's bigger than football. That's our number one priority. But uh, to discuss the game, you mentioned being duped. And I don't think I think you're being maybe a bit too harsh on yourself, which is maybe a surprising reaction that you wouldn't have expected for this show. Uh, because I don't think anybody you mentioned the three scenarios you envisioned for this game. I don't think anybody foresaw this. I think anybody that did pick the Bucks, I among them, by the way, you know, thought it would be a close game, kind of a, a Brady classic finish or whatever. It was a masterclass effort, as you mentioned, what it reminded me of. Not that Kansas City has been a trick of an offense, but um, have you guys ever seen Mighty Ducks 3 when, when they go to Seton Hall and um, you know, and, and yeah. they have to play varsity and the, and the new coach yeah. that, that isn't Gordon Bombay is telling Charlie Conway, he says, none of your little duck tricks are going to work here anymore. And again, I, I don't want to <laughs> belittle the Chiefs offense to that. But but to your point about what Tyreek Hill said, it, you know, th- they finally ran into a team that refused to play into their hand. And I think that 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 had a shock effect. I, I mean, Kist, who who did a more impressive job? I, it was it Todd. I think it's Todd Bowles. I mean, Todd Bowles was arguably the MVP of the yeah. game, although he was a coach. What what Todd Bowles was doing both, you know, on the front lines and on the back end was really impressive and, and tying them together and did a great job of of confusing uh, some of the looks. You know, pre-snap, their safety, their safeties are doing one thing. Post-snap, they're doing another thing. Uh, it, a lot of too high safeties, as as we mentioned before. Uh, the stunts that he brought, the loopers, the double corner blitzes. Like, he was pulling everything out of his bag. And I think it should be mentioned that this is uh, – we talked about the offensive shift in philosophy for the Bucks after the bye, and that's real, and we saw that. They right. had better answers for the blitz. Kansas City had to really think about bringing pressure because of the screen game they threw in. Just everything they did offensively was was excellent. Defensively, there was a shift too for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and it started in the playoffs. It started way late. Like There, were, there was a time period where I thought, is Todd Bowles ever going to press a wide receiver – Ever and it was like one of their fatal flaws. They were getting you know picked apart because they were playing so far off. They get to the playoffs, they play two games where they have their highest, two of their highest press man rates, you know, of, of their entire season. And then they get here and and it, and they look entirely different from what they had all season. So everything it looked like Kansas City prepared for, Tampa Bay just said nope. This is not this is not us anymore, and it's a credit to to Leftwich. It's a credit to Bulls. The fact that they were able to switch it up so much, you know, self scout realize what we are, where we want to be, and make those changes in season. I thought it was a masterful job. And speaking of of the production that his defense got, I mean, my goodness, Patrick Mahomes was under pressure on 48% of his dropbacks. 43% of the time, he was under pressure in less than 2.5 seconds. That's why Patrick Mahomes had to run for 497 (laughs) yards for his absolute doggone life. And I love this Bucks defense. The young secondary, Antoine Winfield, throwing up the deuces. Chiefs fans probably didn't like that, but I thought it was I thought it was hilarious. After a guy torches you for 200 yards in the uh, in the regular season, and you get a chance to kind of get back at him in the Super Bowl like that, I just thought that was that was good fun. Uh, but this defense, man, young, 
fast flying around you, their linebackers are screen erasers and with what Kansas City had going on on their offensive line they really had trouble I don't I don't what they were on like one or two screens and then and Tampa Bay was sniffing everything out they were so well prepped up this is one of the best coaching jobs that I can remember on both sides of the ball in a Super Bowl it's just absolutely masterful I think we all agree um Pete I, I don't know how Chiefs fans view this maybe they don't want to even debate this but I think we all agree that Devin White was maybe robbed of Super Bowl MVP the, the Tom Brady of it all is obviously the story that everybody wants to tell but Devin White had one of those sniff outs early on it was pointed out on the broadcast just made up like 16 yards in a flash mm-hmm. uh, very impressive effort Pete I want to go back to something you said um, you talked about the stat from Next Gen Stats that Pat Mahomes ran to Patrick excuse me um, a total of 497 yards before passes or sacks on the evening according to Next Gen Stats this was the most that any quarterback has run prior to passes or sacks in the next gen stats era so since 2016 (laughs) Um, the game of the second highest volume in this capacity uh, was 495 yards ran prior to the pass prior to the sack which was Patrick Mahomes in week five this season against (laughs) the Las Vegas Raiders I hate to say it Pete but is is the book out kind of and I know I know I know no I don't mean it that way but um like it's very obvious right like if you can get home with four pass rushers you know you're gonna have success but what I mean about the book being out is it's it seems glaringly obvious that the the Chiefs do have a very obvious Achilles heel of sorts there's a blueprint for sure to have success and man this Bulls tape is going to be out there now Right. It's taking away those deep passes like they did with the two safeties. They were guarding the sidelines. What was a grand, grand mismatch and one that I highlighted all week on every hit that I did. And I just didn't believe in it because I just believed in Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes so much was the backups along the offensive line against the starters for the Bucks. Like, what am I dumb? I mean, it was the two tackles, Eric Fisher and Mitch Schwartz, who are all pro pro bowl tackles. They were out for the game. The the inside guys that started week one last year or would have been starting were Kalecio Semele, who was really playing as the best offensive lineman early in the season before messing yeah. up both his knees. Mm-hmm. Then you have Laurent Duvenet Tardif, who decided to opt oh, out no. to go be a doctor in Canada. Uh, you know, he should be on his way back. And the only offensive lineman that you intended to be a starter was the center. Right. You had four guys in positions they weren't supposed to be in in the Super Bowl. And if Andy Reid's not going to scheme up or make an adjustment to chip or put an extra tight end in or an offensive lineman, Mahomes is going to be running for his life. And it, and I I just don't think anybody was ready, including Andy Reid, for that. I kind of disagree there. I I, th- I think there there were some things that the that the Chiefs did. It's just not in their offense to go like why why wing and like really right. spread out that line. I thought they had, especially early on, and, and maybe my opinion will change as I rewatch the game. We talk about it on Wednesday, me and Kyle Posey. But I thought there were there were plenty of, of chips happening. There were condensed sets to kind of widen where the edge rushers needed to come from. But the mismatches along the line were so bad that it didn't matter. And all you ended up doing when you were chipping was right. delaying the release of Kelsey and these other guys and getting them into the routes where it was too late. It didn't matter. Quick point about the MVP, too. Two points, actually. All right. So <laughs> on in a game where we can, I think we can probably agree that the number one factor here was 
Mahomes running for his life, right? And yeah. and I mean you to me the and, to and me, Tom that Brady MVP's, not running for his life. Tom right. Brady was only on the pressure of like what five dropbacks? I, I believe that the same statistic they were talking about. I'm pulling this, I'm getting the number either right or backwards, uh, from a an yeah. in, inverted standpoint. But his his total yards traveled prior to pass or sack was I believe thirty seven yards. It might have been seventy three, <laughs> uh, but it's it's some derivative of those two numbers, which is obviously very different. Shaq Barrett hit Patrick Mahomes four times. Uh, he had a sack. I think MPPs in football, it almost needs to be adjusted across the board where the where the competition committee comes out and says, look, or who is it? The APNFL, whoever gives it, should, needs to come out and say, look, we're actually going to award the MVP the MVP from now on because it's just a quarterback award. It, you know, yeah, right. The, the single season award, the every big game, it's it's who, who's which quarterback is on the on the, the best team. Right. The MVP to me was Shaq Barrett. You know, and, and you can make a case for a lot of the defenders. Like, too bad coaches can't get it because Bowles should have been up there holding that trophy. <laughs> That's a big um, fact. I do want to ask both of you how much, and, and Pete, I'll start with you, how much blame you put on Mahomes because you've been critical of Andy Reid so far. I think Eric Bieniemy will, will bear some of this as the offseason plays out. Um, again, this comes from Next Gen Stats. So Mahomes outside the tackle box, which is not necessarily an easy place to throw from, but he is Mahomes, to be fair, uh, completed four of 15 passes for 28 yards and had his two interceptions. He generated negative 16.9 EPA on dropbacks ending outside of the tackle box, more than double his previous career low, which was minus six. Um, it just it again to kiss point. We'll all rewatch it and, and maybe have our takes molded. But it did feel like a lot of and a lot of this is just getting trigger happy or, or kind of scared. Just immediately running backwards ten yards, and that's making well, you know that that's not you know helping your offensive like line. One one I would give him, honestly, it's like one or two out of ten as far as blame to Mahomes for me. I mean, it got to a point where if he just stood in there in the pocket, yeah, maybe one out of five times he would have been fine to like shift left and right, but he would have died. Yeah. Honestly, like that's how that's how the pressure was coming last night. Like, I don't know how any quarterback in the league. I think he did the absolute best he could with how sure. the pressure was coming. It's, it's amazing that they were able to get nine points and kudos to Harrison Butker in a sense, because he, he had an up and down season, the kicker, and he was the best player on the team on on Sunday. When your kicker is the best player on the team in the Super Bowl, you're not going to win the Super Bowl. And so, I mean, that that's what it was. The punting was atrocious. Uh, special teams, obviously, uh, bad. Defense was bad. Couldn't cover Gronk and Brady for the second time in, in three years. And, and there was a retirement in the middle of that, which is, you know, it just outplayed, outwitted, outcoached. I the, using the Survivor tagline for what happened in the Super Bowl. Uh, and fittingly, Survivor, a CBS production where this game was hosted. Uh, I do want to get to a little bit more when it comes to the game, but we do need to take a break. Got to pay the bills or else the lights are going to turn off. Nobody go anywhere. We're going to be back after a very quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. Welcome back, everybody. Jeff Probst declined to join us for the second half of this show, but Pete Sweeney, Michael Kiss, myself, RJ Ochoa, we are all here. Uh, Kiss. My torch is out anyway, RJ. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Um, Kissed, I, I'm going to shake up a, a bit of a way we do things here in that I'm going to guess your yeet of the week before we even really get to that point. Antoine okay. Winfield Jr. had a moment that yeah. I think is going to sit very sorely with Chiefs fans, Pete, but 
I loved it. Um, I loved, and I loved it when he added context after the game, uh, why he celebrated in Tyreek Hill's face because he, he got celebrated in front of. I, I really appreciate, I love when football has those rivalries that do upset fans and make other fans happy. Is Antoine mm-hmm. Winfield Jr. the year of the week, Michael Kist? No, I actually think the, the, it, it, it was a, it was a great thing. And I, and I mentioned it earlier in the show. I thought it was amazing. And I, and I love the attitude of the Bucks secondary. Carlton Davis calling Michael Thomas, you know, old slap right. boy. I thought they were going to call maybe Tyreek Hill old wasp boy or, or, or something to, to that effect. I did love that. I don't care about the personal foul. I think the yeet of the week has to be Patrick Mahomes uh, actually perpendicular to the ground, <laughs> flying through the air, somehow able to throw the ball 30 yards sure. into the air and hit a guy in the face mask. Um, I think that has to be the yeet of the week. And that just goes to show you just the the lengths, the effort that, that Mahomes was putting into this thing just to try to make something work. And none of the magic was coming off. On the other end, obviously not Pat, you know, Patty Mahomes' best game, but there were still moments there where you're like, holy crap, this guy is just absolutely incredible. So I think the only takeaway from, from this game should not, it, it should not be, you know, a drag on Patrick Mahomes. We should sure. not be, well, they figured out Patrick Mahomes. No, absolutely not. Get him a little bit uh, better blocking and a, and a game plan and whatnot. You're not in the Super Bowl against a guy coaching the best game of his life. I, I you know, it's Patrick Mahomes. He's still going to be special. He's still going to be back here plenty of times. Um, so that's my yeet of the week. Going back, if I can flip sides for a second, we haven't talked enough about the 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 Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense. Tom Brady mm-hmm. was super efficient on the day. The ball came out quick. They had a fantastic game plan. You know, the play action, the the RPO split zone flow pass to uh, Robert Gron- uh, Rob Gronkowski getting two touchdowns in this game, which I thought was a, a, a great storyline for for Gronk um, after after retiring and getting his body right and coming back to to play with his old buddy. Um, I also thought just the the way that the Bucks want to win. You know, we, we kind of bagged them for being a little run heavy, but the run was really effective for him in this game. Both Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones had over five yards per carry. Um, I just think it, th- this was, they hummed. It, it, there was nothing about the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense that, that sputtered as much as we had seen and made, made, made us doubt them before back in November. Again, just a total shift in philosophy. Tom Brady, like texting his players every night at 11 p.m. saying we will win like all this stuff like he willed himself onto this team and you could tell that this team started to believe and it's probably because of Tom Brady I don't think this team does like there are better quarterbacks than Tom Brady I don't know if there are quarterbacks that can like impose themselves on a team and impose a winning culture on a team like Tom Brady can it was uh, pretty incredible Tom Brady, one of the major quotes I felt from last week was Bruce Arians getting on the mic and being like, it took one man to change the belief in this organization around. There it is. And I stand here eating like a good dose of humble pie because I I think I think Patrick Mahomes will 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 still get in a range. I mean, I know that's crazy to say it's going to be really hard to overcome Tom Brady. That's the greatest of all time. I, I think we got a little too comfortable throwing that around heading into this game not only is he smart obviously on the field he's an ultimate motivator and he made a great career decision to go to a team like the Tampa Bay Bucks. he looked at the available teams and picked the best one and that's part of it and now the insane stat is that Tom Brady has more Super Bowls than any NFL franchise has like imagine that if that was a fact in baseball or the NBA, that would make no sense. So incredible for Brady to do that. I'm going to put on my unbiased hat and get excited about the come up of the week. <laughs> I, I always like to to 
give this. There were three three years ago. It was Sunday, January 21st, 2018. Leonard Fournette stood in the end zone against the New England Patriots up 14-3, only to see his Jacksonville Jaguars lose 24-20 in the AFC title game. There's nothing wrong with it. What with if you can't beat them, join them. <laughs> and he did. Met up with Tom Brady in Tampa, and he was the offensive star of this game. In the same game with Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Rob Gronkowski, Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, Pat Mahomes, Tom Brady, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, the offensive superstar was Leonard Fournette. The come up of the week, 135 scrimmage yards, and the major reason that the Bucks were able to run this clock down once they had secured the lead. And again, think about the situation he was in three years ago. And then after that, the Jaguars fell apart. And there he was, a, a Super Bowl champion. You talk about MVP candidates. He was another one. So I think one of the major come-ups for me over the, over the years, anyway, and I'm not, oh, this isn't like an official award. I'm just saying, like, it's crazy <laughs> how my opinion <laughs> has shifted on this guy. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't want to get in any trouble. I don't want to get get sued over this. So I'm just saying this is a nice rise for Bucks general manager Jason Light. Like un- unbelievable. I this guy could have been fired like three different times if you look back at his history. Those were really bad teams that he was overseeing. I was telling you know I I live in Florida and I was telling my coworkers like you aren't doing anything till you get rid of Jason Light because those mm-hmm. teams were just bad. They were awful. And then he comes out the last couple years. And he's drafting like one of the best GMs in the league. Like, look at all the young talent on that team. Especially, we we talked about a lot of the guys in the secondary: Carlton Davis, Jamel Dean, Sean Murphy, Bunting, Antoine Winfield, uh, the, the the other safety that played with the the, the torn labor and Jordan Jordan Whitehead, like bring, Shaq Barrett, bringing in JPP, Vita Vea, Adama Kinsu, Devin White, Levante, like all this this like a stud of a defense. Everybody knows about the offense. This team had like top five units all over the place and he built them all through free agency through the draft and then somehow lands the greatest quarterback of all time this is a guy like i said could have been fired at three different points of his career nobody would have blinked and he comes and does this like it's it's absolutely incredible football makes no sense to me it is chaos but uh congratulations uh jason light for the rise up of the decade i don't know what i'm gonna call it but we need to Um, (laughs) knock off like he's like the stand outside of a sta- stadium selling five dollar t shirts. That's what that wow. really was. In uh in in immediately talking about this game with stats uh here on the network, I called this the that's why we got him game. You ever have, you know, a player on the team you root for, you know, that that does something yeah. and you said, That's why we got him, that's why we paid him all that money, that's why we drafted him, whatever. Stats yeah. told me something appropriately uh for his nickname. I did not know this. This this was the first time in Super Bowl history in which all of the points scored by the winning team were scored by players who were not on the team the year prior. You look at, obviously, wow. everybody that scored for the Buccaneers, a really amazing effort. And I I hope, just for football's sake, that it, we always see teams try to copy one another, right? A year ago, it's how do we find our version of Patrick Mahomes, whatever the case may be. And this year, I hope that teams say, you know what? 
Let's just keep adding. And I think that the Bucks and Jason Light, to your point, case, deserve a lot of credit for that because Leonard Fournette becomes available. A lot of teams would have said, oh, we've got Ronald Jones. We're going we're gonna to air it out with Tom Brady anyway. That's Bruce Arians' game plan. We don't need him. Whatever. No, didn't matter. Even when they signed Gronk, at the time, a lot of people thought they had OJ Howard, you know, Cam Bray, whatever. You don't need Gronk, whatever. Bring him in. Who cares? Let's party. Antonio Brown is suddenly available and no longer suspended. Well, you've, you've got Mike Evans. You've got Chris Godwin and somebody who kissed slided a moment ago in Scotty Miller. You don't need Antonio Brown. No, nope, we're going to go get him and we're going to fill this whole crew up with just extra surplus pieces because we have no idea when we're going to need any of them. And Leonard Fournette, I thought Leonard Fournette had the most important touchdown of the night to your point, Pete. And I think that that's what the Bucks were so good at doing this year in general is that they had the, the ability to break somebody's back in that moment. That Leonard Fournette touchdown, they come out of the half, they stop the Chiefs, limit them to a field goal and just go down and score. And, and that's, that's kind of just their gear. And it's amazing that they were able to bottle that up all season long, but they did. And look what they look where they are. And I kind of poo-pooed the Leonard Fournette thing when they signed him, saying like he actually might be a net negative. And I thought for most of the regular season, a lot of his touches were wasted. But like playoff Lenny is a real thing because he was incredible for that entire run. Yeah, and a lot of the players we just mentioned, just to wrap up that point, with Brady, JPP, Gronk is another one, and even AB like. If I'm saying throw out some of the stuff that maybe makes you believe he shouldn't be on any NFL team. I mean, he's a little crazy, right? I mean, that you could you could bring him into a team and he could really ruin the, whatever dynamic you have. And sure. it appears that the GM trusted the quarterback. There were reports that AB like moved in with Brady down there. Mm-hmm. He kind of kept him focused and not uh, away from being a distraction. And he ended up being an asset and you would have put a lot of these guys on what would be hashtag washed watch where it's like you're kind of like half laughing we, we do this in the football media a lot where you you send a really funny tweet you quote tweeted and say up oh, there go the bucks again bucks are buxing and they all ended up being contributors in the most important game of the year and the peace sign chiefs aside that's poetic justice <laughs> right i mean well done pete tyree kill and the Chiefs really, their mentality, especially offensively, has been Legion of Zoom. This has been a 450 plus day type of deal where they just dominated teams and they were having fun with it. Hill flips up the peace sign to a lot of different defensive backs and mm-hmm. linebackers and what. And he did it in this game, does a backflip into the end zone. And then, and people are forgetting this part of it. He went onto the sidelines, saw that there was a camera there, and goes, I'm doing the Shannon Sharp. Help is on the way, shouting at the fans that were in attendance in, in Tampa Bay after he compiles 203 yards in the first quarter. And so they met up again, and Whitefield gets him back. I, regardless of team, will always be in support. Winfield. I'm sorry, Winfield, right? <laughs> Winfield. I will always be in support of the NFL being more like the WWE. I think, <laughs> yes. I, yeah, think I, it, I think it makes it more entertaining. It gets people more involved. And now you know for a fact that Hill's going to be excited whenever it is that these two teams make up again to have a, a strong game. And those type of storylines were, were there is that competitive nature. You saw a little bit with Clark and Brady and Matthew and Brady. It's good for the league, and it does seem like Brady's going nowhere, so who knows? I mean, and, and we have a whole other season. We'll see how the offseason goes and everything like that, and maybe these two teams meet up again down the road sometime. I, I said it earlier in the year when Juju Smith-Schuster was dancing on everybody's logos. I'm totally fine with Juju dancing on logos. 
I'm totally fine with the defensive player saying, we got to stop him. Right. We got to let him know we're here. And then smacking the crap out of him. I'm totally fine with Tyree Kill throwing at the peace sign. Do it every time, man. I'm also just uh, amazed at the time when Winfield threw up the peace sign right back at him. And that's that's how it should work. And you know what? The next time Hill gets them, throw it up, man. Do your thing. This is football. This is fun. This isn't Javon Wims like trying to punch Chauncey Gardner Johnson in the head. You know <laughs> right. what I mean? Like this is this this isn't bad. This isn't you know like cheap or anything like that. That's just football. That's fun. That's entertainment. The NFL is has, has got a uh, you know it's got a reputation for being the no fun league. Let these dudes have some fun. Talk their smack. They're young. They're having fun. They're in the biggest game of their life. Um, I I absolutely loved it. To piggyback off that point and and prepare myself for my own serving of humble pie here. But but first. I am a huge fan of everything you both have just said, but I would add to that, and I feel like it almost becomes fair to be irrational about it when you win and when you kick in. I know we've had a lot of fun, Pete, you know, kind of poking at, at your Chiefsness, but the Chiefs have had every right to rub their greatness in people's yeah. faces because they've earned it. And and when you kick the out of people, you should you should tell them that's that's cool and that's fun. And I, I think that you have had every right. When you are on top of the mountain, you should tell everybody else how it feels. One of the greatest productions that any SB Nation side has ever put out, uh, Michael Kiss, I know you'll remember this, after the Philadelphia Eagles won the Super Bowl, BLG wrote an article and it was, here's a list of every team that won the Super Bowl this year and a list of every team that did not. And it was yeah. the Philadelphia Eagles having <laughs> won it and the other 31 teams having not. I love stuff like that. That's what makes being a fan fun and so i think when you win you should really go all out and then when you lose it sucks but that's just the (laughs) the yang to the yin but but pete quickly here in that respect and i i maintain most of what i have said to this point i have spent basically the entire generation of the sb nation nfl show bagging on the super bowl winning head coach in bruce arians and Ah. i i maintain that the the public affinity for him is based mostly out of how cool he is but you know what that dude played his game played his hand did it his way shout out to frank sinatra and here he is look how stupid rgo cho is for doubting ba because the buccaneers (laughs) did the damn thing so that that's how i feel congratulations to bruce arians you were right i was wrong i truly feel this way and and i just want to get this out and this will be your time to eye roll again but I, I don't think the Chiefs are going anywhere. I mean, I, I think I, I, I have to get that out, too. I, I mentioned Mahomes' play, and you can't take away from them the fact that they've gone to three straight AFC title games and two straight Super Bowls. They won one of them. And I, I know that now, as I said, and I admit, really going to be tough for Mahomes to even make a run at Brady. And I'm, I'm not saying that that is at all easy. But if you look at his Super Bowls, there are gaps in between them. It's not like yeah. he won seven in a row. 2002, four, five, 15, 17, 19, now 21. You're not going to win the Super Bowl every year, Chiefs fans. They've put together a really nice program. They have needs to address, which we'll get into, of course, at OurHeadPride.com and on the Arrowhead Pride podcast channel. But in a way, and we won't feel like this for a while, this is the fun of it. If you won every year, it would not be fun. So let's see how they address their needs and see if they can Run it back to the Super Bowl and win next time. Yeah, I mean, let's be real about it. The last repeat for a team was 2003 to 2004, if I'm not mistaken. And I think it happened win- eight times, yeah. And I think teams 
need to look at we going back to our point from before about you know roster building theory theory and construction and all that look at what kc did with all the weapons that they have stacked on offense look at what tampa bay did with with the way that they stacked weapons on offense and then just drafted brilliantly on defense and and got guys there like this is what the buffalo bills need to be looking at to say what do we need to get over the hump Mm -hmm. Because getting wide receiver one in Stephon Diggs is great and it boosts your stock and it and it boosts your ability to compete deep into the playoffs. It's not enough. You have to continue to try to add wherever you can. It is never enough. Continue to acquire talent, be a top five unit on uh on just about everywhere that you can like Tampa Bay was this year. That's that teams need to look at this and and take that lesson to heart. I do want to add cuz you mentioned the last team to repeat was the 2003 and 2004 Patriots. In the two opportunities that teams have had since then to repeat, they have been stopped by Tom Brady led teams. <laughs> the 2014 Seattle Seahawks obviously stopped by Malcolm Butler at the mm. last moment and obviously Pete the 2020 Kansas City Chiefs. Um to that point Pete you mentioned we did a clubhouse uh before the game where mm. you were you were feeling the moment uh to be to be candid and um <laughs> and and you mentioned though you know I cuz because I asked you I said what what are the implications here if the Chiefs do lose because it was a reality that obviously unfortunately for your sake bared out to fruition and you <laughs> and you mentioned as a as one example somebody like Sammy Watkins who had mentioned in the lead up to this game that you know yeah. the outcome would potentially dictate what he wanted to do in free agency because had the Chiefs won he would want to be part of a team going for three in a row and so I wonder to the roster building point of this kiss how much the pendulum swings because not that Sammy Watkins is the biggest piece of the Chiefs offense no offense to him but maybe now you know the Buccaneers are all the more likely to keep Chris Godwin say because he wants to run it back with with Tampa Bay and and that's that's the the you know the craziness and the unpredictability but that's the reality of life in the NFL Ross Tucker brought this up when we interviewed him on the the digital road to kick off our super super bowl coverage he said it's 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 not hard for Mahomes to win with this team, and obviously, I mean, they were in the Super Bowl. Let's not take anything away from them. It's easy for Mahomes to win with this stacked of a roster and so on and so forth. He's going to have to do it with an entirely different unit down the line, several different types of teams and, and team constructions and whatnot down the line. I think that's when things like really get hard and Brady has shown that he has been able to go from bad roster to okay roster to great roster and win with all three and somehow get it done and go to an entirely different conference and and get it all done so I think that's that's what makes it the most magical because winning with Kelsey Hill you know all, all these different weapons that's not necessarily all that hard it's even easier when you're I mean we thought this was gonna be a passing of the torch like the next greatest of all time and he probably still is going to be um but it's it's the future that 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 with Mahomes that really makes makes the, all of this interesting Pete quickly I I, I do just want to add because I, I agree with you Mahomes isn't going anywhere the Chiefs aren't going anywhere Love me some Tony Romo. I thought, and maybe he was just kind of thinking out loud, his point on the broadcast was kind of silly uh, to say, well, Mahomes has to win eight now, you know, yeah. to surf and, and maybe, <laughs> maybe that is, maybe, maybe the reality is just silly that, that Tom Brady is that far ahead that it would take something silly in order to surpass him as, as the GOAT. But I don't, I mean, I just wanted to point that out because I think people are going to harp on that for a long time and say, well, he needs eight now, especially because he lost head to head to Brady in one of them. Even if he were to get to seven, let's say, which is going to be an impossible task to do. Would, would, you, be, to would you be mad? Would you be mad if he just stopped at seven, Pete? <laughs> In a way, he would be right. And, and look no further than the NBA. I mean, people always turn back to the, the titles. 
And so it's a tough loss in that sense when you really thought you might have the greatest quarterback of all time for real. And it's a taller task. I mean, it's a taller task today than it, than it was yesterday. And last point quickly on Mahomes and Reed. I just think Mahomes and Reed masked a lot of the Chiefs' issues. The Chiefs obviously have issues, offensive line depth, could use another wide receiver, edge rusher, linebacker. They got a lot of places to address. The last thing, and I think an appropriate thing for us to end on, to put Tom Brady's brilliance into further context, not that anybody's struggling to do that. At the time that Calvin Johnson was drafted, Tom Brady had won three Super Bowls. Calvin Johnson played his entire career, retired, sat out the mandatory five years, and has now been elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame as Tom Brady has won his seventh Super Bowl. It really is just utter insanity. I know it hurts today, Pete, but the cool part for football fans is we are watching something incredible that hopefully someday Patrick Mahomes will come close to touching because that would be good for the game in a lot of aspects. He is Michael Kist. He is Pete Sweeney. We will have more fantastic coverage for you all throughout the offseason. Just like Tom Brady has said before, we're not going anywhere here on the SB Nation NFL show. So make sure to subscribe. We are available on all major podcast platforms. Leave a rating. Tell Pete he's handsome. He wears plaid. He would certainly appreciate that Uh, today. Everybody, we love you. We'll see you next time. This was Monday Football Monday. See ya for Super Bowl 56.